what's going on out there, everybody? Good day, good morning, a good evening, and welcome to another installment of the Man Cave Huddle. And thank you for taking the time out of your schedule just to listen to little old me pontificate on the world of sports. Season's changing, starting to get cold out there. As New Yorkers know, it's that time of the year where we have to leave at 7.45 a.m. Let's go out around 7.35, 7.38 and warm that car up. But you know what the seasoned veterans do, right? You have your car blasting with heat so that when you do get in your car after it's warm, oh, it's nice and toasty like you're laying underneath the sheets and you don't want to get out of bed because you know it's not going to be as warm underneath the sheets. I love that feeling. That's just me. Anyway, moving along, talking about the world of sports. Um, I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about Heisman Trophy finalists. I want to talk about Janoris Jenkins. But I want to start off with the New York Yankees and what they've done. The New York Yankees are kind of, I don't want to say kind of, they're like Duke basketball, L.A. Laker basketball, Dallas Cowboy football, New England Patriot football, Alabama college football. You either like or you love. There is no, yeah, I like the Ravens. I want to see Lamar Jackson win. There is no, yeah, I like the Clippers. I kind of want to see them win. It is, I hate them. I hate you. And that's the situation that is the Yankees are in. But they, the New York Yankees, have signed pitcher Garrett Cole to a nine-year. Sit down. Sit down before I tell you how much money. Sit down. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. Or if you're driving, grab the steering wheel. $324 million contract. This is not the NFL. Well, when they say you cut, your money stops. This is for the next nine years of his life. Garrett Cole will be making $36 million minimum. We're not talking endorsements. We're not talking anything else that he makes off the, 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 the field away from the Yankees. The Yankees alone will be paying him $324 million. That is the highest paid pitcher who Steven Strasburg was. He signed a seven-year, $245 million deal. Garrett Cole beat him. Garrett Cole is a great pitcher. He's going to be an asset to the Yankees. He's going to be the linchpin to that pitching staff, that starting rotation. Because what the Yankees were doing is they had such a great bullpen and they had such a great offensive unit. They would sit there and just bullpen games meaning that the pitcher would just pitch like a couple innings, the starting pitcher, and they would just wind up figuring out how to just bullpen games and win that way. And they figured, you know what? We didn't win this past year. 
we need to go out and get that dude. And who is that dude? That dude is, is Garrett Cole. I mean, he's a stud. He's always wanted to play for the Yankees, and he's a big-time fan. But let's just talk about the monetary value of this contract. Nine years, $36 million. You know your boy's done the math. Per start, and the average start around these guys is 30 for a pitcher. He's going to be making $1.2 million per start. The, the average pitcher, nowadays, pitch count is around 100. Around 100 pitchers, no matter where you are in the game, they want to save your arm and don't want to fatigue you. They're taking you out of the game. He's making around $12,000 per pitch, man. Per pitch. So that means if he throws a pitch and it's a, it's a strike, a ball, or whatever, he's making, think about that. Tomorrow, go out into the yard and just take a tennis ball, a baseball, or whatever. Throw it at the wall a hundred times. And that's what Garrett Cole's salary will be in the game. He's making 12000 per pitch. Is this dude worth it? Worth every penny of it. 29 years old, in his prime. He's going to automatically be the ace of the Yankees staff. You got other guys that really like Domingo Herman, who came out of nowhere and was able to hold down the Yankees. And look, Garrett Cole and them boys from Houston did beat the Yankees. But, and there is a big but, the scandal that hasn't been proven yet. So I don't want to say that Houston was cheating a la the Patriots. But when it comes out, the truth will come to light. And when that does happen, the Houston Astros, I think, will be dealt a double blow because Garrett Cole is talented. And to lose a player like that hurts. And that's only a bonus and an asset to the Yankees. Because you know what? When you're the Patriots or the Yankees or a lot of these other teams, it's you know what? You know why people don't like them? Because they always win, man. They always figure out an algorithm get the talent, or they just always figure out a way to win. And you know what? I'm just glad I work for them. Moving right along. Uh, let's talk about some college football, and let's talk about some of these Heisman Trophy candidates. For those of you that, that don't know, the Heisman Trophy is, in college football, the equivalent of the MVP award. And it's a very prestigious award, and blah, 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 blah. But basically, that's what the Heisman Trophy is. All it is is just uh, an a, um, a MVP award for college football. So your four candidates are Joe Burrow, quarterback from LSU, Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State, Chase Young, defensive end from Ohio State, and you have Jalen Hurts, quarterback from um, Oklahoma. Now, a little bit of information on all these guys. Let's talk about um, Justin Fields. He was a former quarterback at Alabama. Last year, he stepped in with Tua Got Hurt, helped win them the SEC title game. He played in the title game, played not well. Tua came in and had to clean it up at the end, and they helped beat Georgia. And I'll tell you this much. Hindsight is always 20-20, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I'm sure 
Bama, all those people that were saying Jalen Hurts could go because we had Tua, I'm sure they were wishing they had Jalen Hurts this year. Now, look, being in Oklahoma, Lincoln Fields, their head coach, he's a quarterback guru, and he always has a way of putting the quarterback on that year's team in the best position to win. He had Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was a pocket-passing quarterback. Won the Heisman Trophy. Following year, they had um, Kyler, who wound up going number one overall. He had back-to-back starting quarterbacks who went and won the, the Heisman Trophy. Kyler Murray is a gentleman that I'm talking about that um, followed Baker Mayfield in terms of winning the Heisman Trophy and going number one overall in the draft. Kyler Murray, completely different skill set from Baker Mayfield. Likes to run around, 5'10", a jitterbug, can run for 50 yards, but run around in the backfield and throw it for 80 yards. Mastered a way to cultivate the offense around him. Jalen Hurts, he's not the pocket passer of Baker Mayfield. Athletic and can run, but not the runner of Kyler Murray. Managed to sit there and tailor the offense to the quarterback that he has. And that's a great job. And Jalen Hurts had a good season. I'm not going to say that he didn't. And they're in the playoffs. And Alabama isn't. So I know in the end, Jalen Hurts is the guy that's really happy right now. Let's talk about Chase Young. Uh, This guy is a stud defensive end. He's leading the country with 16 and a half sacks. He's that dude where in the NFL, he can put his hand in the ground to be a... You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of a Khalil Mack because he can put his hand in the dirt and be a 4-3 defensive end and create havoc. Or he could stand up and be a rush outside linebacker and create havoc. Either way, this guy is a stud. He's the dude where what you don't hear from him, it's because they're double-teaming him, either with the guard and the tackle, tackle tight end, the running back is chipping. They're doing all types of stuff to silence him. And what does that do? Create one-on-one opportunities for his teammates. So just because when I, in, in the Big uh, 12 championship, I'm sorry, the Big 10 championship, when Ohio State was playing Wisconsin, what I noticed is I didn't see a lot from Chase Young, and I was really paying attention to how he was going to wreak havoc in this game. But that's what they did. They slid the line, double-teamed him. They said, you know what? Our number one priority at offense is not allowing this guy to win. Even when they flipped him to the other side, from the left to the right, they still were able to find where he is and adjust the pressure. I think this guy is a first-round draft pick, top five. <clears throat> New York Giants, holla at your boy. We need him. Uh, but Chase Young, great player. I think at this point, football has become so quarterback-driven. I think that the Heisman Trophy people just like to put a defensive player in there just to, how should I say, holla at the defense and say, look, we're not leaving you guys out. We're throwing you a bone. But football as a whole has become so quarterback-driven from high school, college, NFL, where if you don't have a quarterback that's capable, the team isn't capable. 
You can have a great defense, but if you can't put up points, you're nothing. I think Chase Young is worthy, but I don't think he's going to win a Heisman Trophy. I think it's one of those deals where I go to New York City, chill out, eat some good food, go to some nice restaurants. Although I shouldn't sip on a drink, I might go in and partake and have a good time at a night establishment. Why not? Guys from guys going to school in Ohio. Next up, you have uh, quarterback Justin Fields, who was a – hey, you know what's funny? We talk about players transferring, right, and transfer portals and all this. You have quarterback Joe Burrows, who was at Ohio State and transferred to LSU. You have quarterback Justin Fields, who was at Georgia and transferred to Ohio State. And you had quarterback Jalen Hurts, who was at Alabama and transferred to Oklahoma. So it's almost like free agency with these quarterbacks, where these quarterbacks all led their teams to the playoffs. And in saying that, they weren't there as freshmen. So that makes my point of when you have a quarterback, you have a chance. Justin Fields, exceptional season. Exceptional. 40 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns, one interception on the season. This guy's been great, phenomenal. Everything that you want. Numbers jump out the the, the, the roof. But the thing is this. With head coach Ryan Day and that offense that he has at Ohio State, it's so quarterback friendly. It is, I mean, you had Dwayne Haskins, who went 17th last year in the draft to the Washington Redskins, passed for 50 touchdowns. I mean, this is such a quarterback friendly offense to where the numbers are so bloated and they make players look so great in college. And with Justin Fields coming out the gate, first year playing and starting with Ohio State, he had a phenomenal season. But for me, there are moments where you say that was the play. That was the moment. That was the drive. That was the game that you needed to solidify your position. Because in the NFL, it's been going back and forth between Russell Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. It seemed as though, okay, Russell had the better week this week. He's the MVP candidate. Lamar had the better week this week. Russell had the better week this week. Lamar had the better week this week. Now we're having a couple weeks of just Lamar Jackson having good games. And you're not hearing about Russell Wilson. The only question now with Lamar Jackson is, is is he going to be a unanimous MVP? Or are there going to be any haters out there that say, nah, I'm voting for my guy instead? And I think when you have a, a, a player like Justin Fields, He falls into the category of the stats are so good, but is he really that great? And when I talk about Heisman moments, I didn't see it with Justin Fields. And thus forth, let's talk about my man Joe Burrow. This guy right now, he holds so many records at LSU. I'm not even going to illustrate that right now. 48 passing touchdowns. He's had... 77, I'm sorry, not, I don't want to even say 0.9, 78% completion. A 78 completion rate for his percentage. That is crazy knowing that he passed for 48 touchdowns. His team is 13-0 and passed for over 4,700 yards. So it's not even like he's passing at a 78 percentage clip. 
and passing for like 80, 150 yards a game. He's that dude where in college he only played 13 games, 40, over 4,700 yards. He needs to pass, complete, and produce, and he's done that at a high rate in the SEC. And you sit there and say, Greg, what's this, what's this Heisman moment? In the SEC championship game, he made a play against Georgia where he rolled out of the pocket, ran to the sideline, and he caught the ball back, flicked it down the field, receiver caught it, ran across the field, and it wound up being a 70-yard touchdown play. But there was another play that he had this season against Texas. When the game, and I know Texas isn't that great where you sit there and look at them now. But this was a game where they needed another score to solidify this game. It was a blitz. Blocked it in terms of the offensive line. He stepped up into the pressure. And he had to jump and make a pass. And the receiver took it over 50 yards for the touchdown to secure the win. Athleticism. And I'm not talking about the athleticism of a Lamar Jackson. But when you sit there and you see him run around, you sit there and say to yourself, wow, it's a little bit more nimble than I thought. Playing in the SEC. And I know a lot of times when you sit there and say to yourself, what's the default factor? What conference did he play in? Big 12, they don't play defense. They only play offense. Big 10, a little bit of both but they really don't have a lot of teams, so there's not a lot of depth in that conference. SEC, look, teams may not be ranked. People may say they're not good. Top to bottom, that's a tough conference. I mean, you had, you have LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Florida. At one point, not ranked in the top 10, ranked in the top eight. That conference is for real. And for Joe Burrow to beat Alabama, or you know what? I say all those teams, and I forgot Georgia. Five teams ranked in the top eight at one point in the season. For Joe Burrow to beat up Alabama at Alabama and to win the SEC title at Georgia, or I should say at, well, it was in Atlanta, but Georgia's background. Joe Burrow, for me, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. Hands down, bar none. And for anybody, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, to have the unmitigated gall to disagree with me, all you're doing is bloviating. I'm trying to increase my vocabulary, y'all. Make me sound like I'm smart and whatnot, right? Sit there and say bloviating, unmitigated gall. How about nerve? What just happened to sit there and say, you have the nerve to say something like that. But hey, that's where we are right now. Um... Let's talk about former New York Giants cornerback Janoris Jenkins, who was waived today, two days after he made an inappropriate remark on um, Twitter. Now, what he did is, after a loss, which the Giants have had a lot of this year, we've only won two games, so it feels like almost every game is a loss. Um, He was going back and forth with some fans, talking about um, his play, and he brought up his stats And then one of the people that um, were clapping back at him said, how many of those stats contributed to any wins? Hashtag none. Hashtag irrelevant. 
and Jack Rabbit clapped back with, and these this isn't a word that I normally say, but I'm just saying it because this is what I'm reading. I don't think it's the proper word to say. And in today's world that we live in, it's a new world. And there are certain things that you can say, certain things that you can't say. And if you don't like it, that's cool. But it's the world that we live in. So you either adjust or get left behind. So what he said to that comment was, and I'll repeat it again, how many of those stats contributed to any wins? Hashtag none, hashtag irrelevant. When Jack Rabbit put up the stats that he uh, contributed to the season, Jack Rabbit responded to that comment with, I can only do my job, retard. Um, and the world that we live in now, when you sit there and you make fun of people's sexuality, people's um, race, and when you speak on mental illness and a mental disability, you can't, in this world that we live in, go around calling people retard. And what the Giants did, they asked him to apologize. And he kind of halfway apologized. I don't want to say halfway. He did apologize. But then the following day, and when I say apologize, um, he did also put out on Twitter to say, my apology for using the word I used earlier really didn't mean it. No harm. Hashtag rabbit love everybody. All right. So he came out and apologized on social media for the remark that he made. And the next day when he was approached by media, his re, re, uh, retort was no call. You like to, I said retort, right? I just do that. Again. I'm just saying his retort was um, next question, meaning that he was brushing it off. Giants meet brass didn't like it. Uh, and they waived him. So he's no longer a giant. In the society that we live in now, uh, freedom of speech, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I always remember something that Cam Newton, quarterback of the uh, Carolina Panthers, said um, the summer before he got drafted. He said three things. When you talk to the media, and this was prior to social media, he said when you talk to the media, there are things in your head that you want to say, then there are things that you can say, and by the time it's in your mouth and it hits your lips, there's what you can't gonna say. What you want to say, what you can say, and what you're gonna say. And if Jack Rabbit would have just, when the media asked for their apology, just said, hey, look, I apologize. Don't say anything else after that. There's to be, there's gonna be another breaking story in a couple of days, and I'll sweep your story underneath the rug. He didn't want to do that, and now he's no longer a giant. Do I think it's a good move? Look, I think they were gonna get off of him anyway. It's unfortunate that because he made that mistake, he's no longer a giant. But this is part of the movement that the Giants wanted to make in terms of changing the culture. What I don't understand is, is that um, why it took so long. Olivier Vernon was making a lot of money. They wanted to get that off the books. Snacks Harrison, my boy Snacks, was making a lot of money. They wanted to get that off the books. Eli Apple, 
He was just the guy where the production didn't warrant the, his mouth and what he was saying. And he's the better player now, but he just wasn't playing that way with the Giants. They got rid of him. Landon Collins, I've said it many times. He just couldn't cover a tight end. And that's why they let him go. So with Jack Rabbit, I think they said, we'll hang on to him as long as we can because at least his contract is manageable and he's producing. But now they felt like no mas and no longer is he a giant. So, I mean, I think the next coach that the Giants should get is somebody that is hard, no nonsense, and a very, this is how we're going to go about our business coach. Two guys that I like in that category are Ron Rivera. He has a relationship with uh, Gettleman, Giants GM, and that that they were both head coach and GM. Ron Rivera is a no-nonsense, let's go out there and take it to these dudes type of head coach. Matt Rule is a present coach at Baylor. A lot of people may sit there and say, who's Matt Rule? Let me just put you up on something real quick. Remember a couple years ago when Temple was good? Google that. A couple years ago when they had back-to-back 10-win seasons, when Temple was good, came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden it was really good. Matt Rule was their head coach. Put a couple guys in the NFL. I believe, I'm not certain, Muhammad Wilkinson was on that team, and a couple other guys, safeties and defensive backs, got into the league, and linebackers got into the league. Took his talents elsewhere and took it to Baylor. Baylor was on a a football program that was on the precipice of being cut with the sex scandal that they had at that school and all the, I don't want to say allegations, but all the rules they were breaking. He goes there and takes his team and a program that looked like it was a joke in the dirt. And they played Oklahoma to to overtime of winning the Big 12 title. And had that team ranked not only in a top 10, but in playoff contention. So this guy, Matt Rule, is accustomed to taking programs and teams that are dead, beleaguered, uh, afterthought, nobody's thinking about them, and raising them up from the dead. And that's where the Giants are right now. And I feel that Matt Rule is that dude. And why? He has blood in the ground in New York. He was an assistant offensive coach under Tom Coughlin when Tom Coughlin was with the Giants. So he understands what it's like to deal with the New York media. He understands what it's like and the expectations and how it's, look, if you're going to lose, is the effort there? Are we growing? Are we getting better? He understands what it's like to play this D. Because in New York, we love our defense. Okay. Those are just a couple of things I wanted to get into on this episode. Just let out a couple of thoughts of mine. But um, like I do in every episode, I want to end with a positive thought. Because positivity is what makes the world go round. Love is more powerful than anything. Like I always say, love contributes to magic when you're dealing with anything more than anything else. Because it's that, how did that happen? It's because you love it. That's how it happened. Love is more powerful than reason because sometimes you know that it doesn't make sense for me to do that because you love it. You're going to do it and work for free. Love is the highest elevation of understanding because you understand when you love something, the priority it means for you in your life. And love is the death of duty because how many times would you sit there and call out of work or just straight up not go to work over somebody or 
anything that you love. But I will say this. For my positive quote, not all storms come to disrupt your life. Some come to clear your path. Not all storms come to disrupt your life. Some come to clear your path. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.